Leslie, thank you. I had Leslie this morning. Uh, I had to preach at this sunrise service at Arlington at 6.30. And Leslie sang at 6.30 this morning. And Bill directed music at 6.30 this morning. And I thank them very much for doing that. They've already had a long day. I've had some people tell me to pay attention to the watch. Um, because they have braced it. How many are going to the Braves games today? Several that are headed that way. Uh, you ought to be there by the seventh inning stretch, I promise. <laughs> uh, I watch the opening ceremony on television, and I always love seeing Hank Aaron. Because when I was a kid, Hank Aaron was, that was a big deal. And I remember seeing him in the bar one time, I bumped into Hank Aaron. I couldn't speak one of the two times in my life that occurred and I could not speak. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and confess a sin on Easter Sunday from my child. If it was a sin, it was, it was different times, but it was 1970-something and I thought I would try smoking cigarettes. They weren't as politically incorrect in the 70s as it was, as it is today. It is not as bad as what my brothers tried who were in the 60s, so I'm not going to go there. <laughs> so I called a dear friend to discuss the situation. I found some cigarettes somewhere in a parking lot. They were almost nude. <laughs> and I'm on the phone with my friend, and all of a sudden, a deep voice and ours hasn't changed yet. Comes on, what's this about cigarettes? His father was on the other extension. I've never put a phone down as quickly. Remember when you could slam a phone? That's no fun anymore, but you used to slam a phone, and I slammed that phone. I was scared to death. If I was a smoker, I bet I'd have needed a cigarette after that moment. I hung the phone up, and I never told that story until this morning. First time I've ever shared that. Have you ever heard a voice you were not expecting to hear? Ever heard a voice you weren't expecting to hear? A guy gets home from work one night and hears a voice. The voice says, quit your job, sell your house, take the money, go to Vegas. He's disturbed at what he hears and ignores the voice. The next day he gets home from work and hears it again. Quit your job, sell your house, take your money, go to Vegas. He ignores it again but he's very troubled. Wednesday home from work. Thursday home from work. Every day home from work. Quit your job. Sell your house. Take your money. Go to Vegas. The voice says. It upsets him to the point where after two weeks he succumbs to the pressure and he quits his job. And he sells his house and he gets cash. He takes his money and he gets the red eye to Vegas. The moment he gets off the plane with a suitcase full of cash, 
the voice tells him, go to balance. So he hops in a cab, briefcase in hand, all of his money, heads to Bally's, and as soon as he sets foot at the casino, <coughs> go to the roulette table. So he's in his briefcase and he gets his chips and he goes to the roulette table and the voice says, number 17, and he puts all his money on 17. And it comes up 21. And the boy said, oops. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about hearing the right voice. The right voice. Before we do that, let's pray. Lord, let us hear you. That you would be so close that we would hear the soft shuffling of sandaled feet among us. That we would know that it is you. That our lives would be so different and so changed that we're driven by your voice and your love and your command your direction. Let that happen this day and every day. Because you always lead us in the right way. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> this week I was looking at instances of Scripture when you could hear a voice from heaven. And you know some of them. Remember when Jesus was baptized by John? You remember that? Matthew tells us the story in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water... Suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Wouldn't you like to have been there? To have heard that? Well, another case that you would probably remember when Saul becomes a Christian, he's blinded, on the road to Damascus. Remember the voice? Acts chapter 9. We pick it up in verse 3. As his, he was going along approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city. You'll be told what you are to do. Verse 7 says, The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice. They heard the voice. But saw no one. This week I noticed an instance of the voice that I don't know if I'd noticed before. This time it happens sometimes between the first Palm Sunday and the first Easter. Knowing the cross was right around the corner, Jesus said this in John 12, 27, Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. He knew what was around the corner. But Jesus says, No, it's for this reason I've come to this hour. It had to be agonizing getting to that hour, knowing what was going to happen. But he was obedient. And I read to you the rest of what Jesus said. Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. 
And then a voice came from heaven. Another instance. And there are not many that I could find in the New Testament. I have glorified. And I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it. And said that it was thunder. Another said an angel had spoken to him. And then Jesus headed to the cross. And he died. Mark puts it this way. In chapter 15. When evening had come. And since it was day of preparation. That is the day before the Sabbath. Joseph of Arimathea. A respected member of the council. Who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. Went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate wondered if he were already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he, Jesus, was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Joseph bought a linen cloth and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth, laid it in a tomb that no had been hewn out of rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Verse 45 of Mark 15. Don't miss this. When he learned from the centurion that he, Jesus, was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Pilate, the centurion, Joseph, knew that Jesus was dead. John tells us this in 1930. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Bowed his head, gave up his spirit. Luke says it in this way in chapter 23, verse 46. Jesus cried with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Matthew 27, 50. Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John all agreed. He was dead. But this Easter, we celebrate the occurrence of another voice. It wasn't audible that I know of, but it had to be there. And the sound reverberates to this day. It shook the heavens, it shook the earth, it changed everything. Look at Mark 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint him. Very early, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They'd been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, Sitting on the right side, they were alarmed, but he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there's a place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb. For terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Back to the voice. Sometimes after his death, 
And before his resurrection, Jesus heard a voice. God Almighty spoke. And I'm convinced he said something along these lines. Get up. Get up. Get up. And he did. And Jesus rose from the dead. And what is exciting to me today is that voice is still sounding in your life and in mine. It's still there for us. Romans 8, 11 says this, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit that lives in you. We're told in A moment ago, what the angel told Mary and Mary in verse 7 of Mark 16, remember what was told them? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. That's an interesting way to put it. The disciples and Peter, isn't that redundant? Isn't he a disciple? Why is he singled out? You know why. Just a chapter before, he denied he even knew Jesus three times. The lowest point in his life. And what is happening in that section of Scripture is the Spirit of God is telling Peter, get up, get up, get up. I don't care how far you have fallen. All is forgiven. I love you. I remember several years ago, in another state, being in my office, and a husband asking if he and his wife could come and talk to me. She wouldn't talk to me. So they came to the preacher's office, and there we were, and she wouldn't talk to me either. It was a very awkward moment. And I said, would it help if he left the room? He left the room, and she began to talk to me. She began to tell me about being unfaithful to her husband and how he had said if he ever found out she was, that that would be it. And it would be done. And I remember talking with them. With her first, and then I went to him, and then I brought them together. I told them what I knew and what God said. God told them to get up, and they did, and they're still together many years later. God does that every day with all sorts of situations. All sorts. They're still together because they heard God say, get out. This past June, my father-in-law went to heaven. It was last Easter that the family was called in to say goodbye and he lasted another three months. But I remember Jeannie talking with her dad and when Earl retired, he started driving a bus for Starkville buses in Mississippi and drove from Nova Scotia to California to Florida to who knows where. And I guess the bus was on his mind because he told his daughter, I'm ready to get on the bus. He was talking about the trip to heaven. He wanted the express and he wanted it then. And I was proud of his faith because he knew he was going to get up. And I was proud of my wife because she said, next time he comes by, get on it. And go. And I was proud of her faith. 
Earl soon heard the voice of God say, get up, get up, get up. And he did. You've heard it. Comforting you in sorrow. Challenging you in comfort. Motivating you in fear. Soothing you in depression. Depression, get up, get up. <clears throat> My neighbor Charlie in Indiana was a great man. I've got friends here from Indiana that knew Charlie Flick. Charlie was a farmer. And his attire, 90% of the time, was overalls. Mostly at church, overalls. Charlie was faithful to church. He wasn't one of the people to be up front. If I'd have called on him to pray, there would have been a long, awkward silence because he wasn't going to pray in public. Maybe he'd have punched Mabel and have her pray, but he wasn't going to pray in public. He was quiet about his faith. Just a kind of a matter-of-fact, salt-of-the-earth kind of a guy. One day Charlie came to see me and he told me a story that I don't think I've ever told this one. Two weeks ago we went to visit Mabel. She filled in some of the blanks. It was 1974. Charlie had had bladder cancer and had had a surgery and they didn't get it all and he had to have another surgery and he didn't want to have it. And he didn't want to make it. So he was, as farmers do, disking in a tractor in a field across from the parsonage that we lived in. And Charlie was not one for exaggeration and when Charlie said something, you believed it. And Charlie said, David, there I am. And an angel came and sat on the fender of my tractor. Now I've heard angel stories before and I've always taken it with a grain of salt just thinking, sure. But not Charlie Flick. I believed everything he told me. He said the angel never said a word, just rode with him while he was disking. But to Charlie, it was all he needed. It was a sign from God that everything would be okay. He had the surgery. He lived a good long life. <clears throat> and he went to heaven in March of 2014. Forty years after the visit. Charlie was encouraged by God. Get up. Get up. My brain spins are going to make it because I'm running out of voice to <laughs> Two weeks ago, Jeannie and I went to the church in Nashville, Franklin, with our side Tyler, Stephanie and Rachel. They were celebrating because they just paid off $7 million in debt in 14 months. That church is getting up. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm excited for it. One more. This morning at Arlington, when all was said and done, a man with tears in his eyes came up to me and he said, Do you remember me? He said, You buried my son. The man was Middle Eastern, Persian. I said, You're Kavik's father, aren't you? 
They began to weep and we just helped each other. The man is Muslim. But he's sure moving towards Christianity in a hurry. To be at an Easter sunrise service at 6.30 in the morning. And I think God is whispering to him, get up. Get up. Get up. And I'm looking forward to telling you the rest of that story when I find out more. Listen, whatever it is that God tells you, whatever you're going through, get up. Hear that voice. It is still with us. Let's pray.